This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980CFPL. You know what one of the most powerful things is that you can give to someone? Doesn't cost anything. And it's so powerful. What is it? It's a compliment. I like your hair. You know what? You have a nice smile. That shirt looks great on you. Have you lost weight? You might mean that last one as a compliment, but there's some discussion going on right now, and I don't know whether this has political correctness written all over. I'm not sure. But there's some discussion going on right now that says, go ahead and compliment somebody. Tell them that their sweater looks nice. Tell them that they have a nice smile. Oh, those new shoes? Wow, nice new shoes. Don't ever say anything, though, about their weight. And this is a conversation that we need to have right now. Because here we are. We are starting off a new year. And what happens during New Year's? Resolutions, right? I don't know about you. Did you hear as much about resolutions this year? I didn't hear as many resolutions. Nobody's asking anymore. Because everybody has that whole pressure pack thing that we used to make these resolutions. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop eating canned peas during... No. That was a useless one. Or what was one of the most famous ones? I am going to get into shape. I am going to lose weight. And people would hit the gym and they would do it or they would do it for a couple of weeks. And then all of a sudden life gets in the way and it does. And they would kind of fall out of that. And we've had discussion for a couple of years now, if not longer, that as you fall out of that, you actually feel worse. So you knew that heading into January, you needed to get into better shape. Maybe you needed to lose some pounds. And then you tried and you failed. And now you feel worse. And that would happen. So one of the discussions going on right now deals with the compliment or the attempted compliment for someone who may have been trying to lose weight, someone who may have actually lost weight, that this is a topic that you shouldn't even bring up. Let's talk more about this right now, because joining us is Rachel Hartley, who is a South Carolina-based dietitian. Rachel, it is great to have you with us today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. So... A compliment. My wife has always taught me, and I'm still not very good at giving them, that compliments are, are very powerful. And if you can if you can tell someone they have nice eyes without looking creepy, you got to be careful. Uh, but tell someone they have a nice sweater. And another one of those compliments seems to be, wow, you know, you look great. Have you lost weight? Is that something we need to be a little mindful of, careful about? Right, absolutely, because it's certainly well-intentioned, but I think the problem that can happen is that there are so many uh, ways that that compliment can actually backfire, even though it's intended to be kind, intending to um, to give a nice compliment. Um, what it's sort of saying, without ne- necessarily being explicit, is that you didn't look very good before. <laughs> <You know? laughs> In a way, yeah. Yeah, I guess it does. In other words, yeah, you had some pounds to lose. Now you've lost them. Congratulations. Right, right. And of course, you know, we never really know how someone has lost 
the weight that they have lost. I've certainly, um, being a dietitian who, you know, frequently works with clients with eating disorders, you know, I don't think people really recognize that a lot of the behaviors people engage in to lose weight can be quite disordered and not very healthy. So I've certainly had the case where, where clients were being complimented on really what was their eat, the outcome of their eating disorder, disordered eating behaviors. Mm-hmm. Great point. And the other idea, I guess, is we seem to get this thing, and I don't know how far back this stretches. I don't know whether we blame magazine covers for it. I don't know whether we blame Twiggy for it in the 70s. But the the thin is better, and that's not necessarily always the case. Right, right. Body diversity naturally exists. And so you're always going to have a wide range of people and a wide range of sizes. And this idea when we're, we're complimenting people on weight loss, it, it propagates this fat phobia, this message that smaller bodies, that thinner bodies are better, that they're healthier, that they're inherently of more value. When in reality, no matter how healthy someone is eating or how much they're moving, their body may be larger. And and we really have to be careful about those um, insidious messages and those uh, well-intended compliments. (laughs) Rachel Hartley with us, South Carolina-based registered dietitian. As we talk about compliments for sure, but compliments that may come across not necessarily how they are intentioned if you're talking about somebody's weight. Now, there may be people saying, oh, this is just political correctness taking another step, but this doesn't sound like political correctness. Absolutely. You know, it really, you know, and of course, political correctness is just another way of of saying being polite, Uh, you know, but no one necessarily, when we compliment on someone's body, it's bringing their body into a conversation in a way that they didn't necessarily ask for. I know a lot of people of, of all body sizes who getting comments on their weight or on weight loss, it's just uncomfortable. Even if it's someone who's always been, you know, thinner, talking about someone else's body, it it really is sometimes an off-limits conversation for that person. So how would you go about talking about somebody's weight? Do you wait for them to say, hey, I've been... I've been slogging at the gym for the last couple of months, and then is it okay to jump in, or do you just leave it all together? Right. So my general rule of thumb, if someone has, um, if someone's talking about behaviors that they're engaging in, that they're feeling really good about, I really try to keep it to the behaviors. So, um, you know, for example, I was just talking with my father who had been, um, you know, sick earlier this year, and he was talking about, um, first started talking about some weight loss he'd experienced, but then um, was talking about getting back and getting moving and getting stronger again. So I really redirected that to, I'm so happy that you you are, you know, enjoying getting out and walking, that you're feeling strong again. I think that is so wonderful. Uh, you know, redirecting it to the um, behaviors is so important because really that's the thing that improves people's health is the behaviors, not necessarily the change in their weight. So you don't look at the results. You look at what they have done just to make themselves feel better. Right, right, right. Exactly, exactly. So promoting, encouraging healthy behaviors rather than a a number on the scale. I like it. Well, hey, thanks for having this conversation with us, Rachel. We really appreciate the time today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All the best. That's Rachel Hartley, registered dietitian out of South Carolina, who has kind of brought that conversation forward. Some of this actually went to Adele, believe it or not, losing weight. 
and people were commenting on that. And Audra Williams spoke up and made some good points in a tweet saying, celebrating Adele's weight loss is a garbage thing to do for a million reasons, but here are two. It tells your friends who might be bigger that you think their bodies are a problem to be solved. The weight loss also, as Rachel pointed out, could be the result of a physical or mental health struggle and uh, makes it kind of weird to cheer about someone losing weight. If they're announcing, hey, I am out to do this, I am out to lose this amount of weight, and they go and they do it, yeah, then then maybe that celebration is, is warranted, is different. And it isn't so much political correctness, and that's kind of what this seems to shout out. It, it, it really isn't, but it's a good thing to think about. If someone has given you kind of a comment that winds up being a backhanded compliment, it kind of leaves you going, hey, wait a minute, what, what did they mean by that, you know? It's one thing to say, that color looks amazing on you. And I find it hard as a guy to give compliments, you know, without sounding creepy. You've got to be very careful who you compliment and how. And I don't know whether that is just because I'm I'm a guy. I, would that be something that that women would have problems with too? Does anybody else have issues? In, in just thinking about it, you have to really think before you speak. That's always a great lesson. But to think, okay, I'm, I'm going to compliment somebody because I, I believe this. I look at it and this is what I'm thinking, but I don't want them thinking that this compliment has any strings attached to it. You know what I mean? And so it can be difficult to do that. And then you think, yeah, if, if, you, if you say to somebody, wow, whoa, you look great. You, you've been losing weight. You look, you look fit. Yeah, uh, no, actually, I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'm very sick right now. Then all of a sudden things go completely wrong. So, good tip, I think, from Rachel Hart. Thanks to Rachel for that. The Bills make you want to shop. Have you ever sung that song at a Bills game? You turn into a Bills fan instantly when you go to Buffalo. I'm feeling for the Bills fans in this area today. We've got quite a few up 16 nothing. Then they lose. Very interesting weekend in NFL playoff action. The Bills lose. Tom Brady and the Patriots lose. Will Tom Brady's last pass as a New England Patriot be an interception that is returned for a touchdown? Maybe. Maybe it will be. Is he finished with the Patriots? Nobody's going to know. Is he finished with football? The time to step away? Nobody's going to know that for a while. We're going to talk with Zach Medeiros in just a moment. Rose emailed saying, uh, compliments cost nothing to give. I have found if you give a compliment to someone when they are least expecting it, they have their day brightened. People can tell when it's genuine. Throw a few more out there, Mike. You may make someone's day. I'm all for it. That's something my wife has taught me. I've learned, I could write a book on all the things I've learned from my wife in now 22 and a bit years of marriage, but that's one of them. But I, I always find as a guy, you gotta, is it, you have to be careful? Maybe that's the wrong terminology to use, but that's the feeling I have because you don't want it to come out ingenuine and you don't want it to come out with any innuendo, you know? But it is important to compliment. We did just have a conversation with Rachel Hartley about using compliments with regard to losing weight and how eh, there's there are too many things that can go into that weight loss or that perceived weight loss 
that may make that a conversation that you don't necessarily want to have. If you miss that conversation and you want to hear it, you can always find our podcast at 980cfpl.ca. You can find it on the Curious Cast Network. Let's talk some football. There were no compliments for Buffalo. There were no compliments for the New England Patriots. Both of those teams are out. Zach Medeiros joins us, member of the Toronto Argos and our football insider on London Live. Zach, welcome back to London Live. Good holiday. Holiday was great, man. You know, I got to see lots of family came, uh, in, well, especially in the London area and Toronto area as well. Um, always great catching up with them and, Anytime, you know, throughout the course of the holidays, there's always bowl season, so I, I caught a lot of college football games, and uh, there was a nice little treat last night when Canada grabbed the goal against the Russians and take the junior gold medal. So, yeah, it's it's been a holiday. weekend. It's been all right. We've talked a lot about Team Canada already. Now let's talk about some football, because it was wild card weekend, and every Buffalo Bills fan in this area that has ever gone and sung the Bills Make You Want to Shout were riveted. They were excited. Their team was up 16 to nothing on the Houston Texans. It was looking great. Zach, what happened? I don't know. You know, I was, you know, honestly, Mike, I was excited for them because it's been since 1995, I think, since the Bills won their last playoff game. And I think with the pieces they have right now, and again, I think we, we talked about this a few episodes ago with Josh Allen, the process from year one to year two has been second to none. And with that, not that many targets, too, on his side. But again, with their running game, they've been able to establish that, especially throughout the course of this year. And uh, going into this game, everything was looking great. And He's been known to get up to slow starts and doesn't really get settled in until the second half. But the open of the game was a great first possession. He scores a touchdown. They go up 16 to nothing. They don't give the Texans much of a stiff. And this is also the return of J.J. Watt. And they, they kept him at bay for the, the entirety of the first half. And then second half, it just looked like that. They kind of took their foot off the gas just a little bit and to give enough leeway to the Texans to get back in the game. And we all know Deshaun Watson, he's a winner. He's been a winner since college. And if you give him a little room, he, he was able to get the, the, you know, the Texans back in the game. And the, the most important thing is that he got DeAndre Hopkins back in the game because this guy has zero catches in the first half. And they got him with, a, you know, 70 yards right off the bat to start off with the second half. And then we all saw the presence of J.J. Watt. He got that sack. He got that key third down sack, which held the Bills to the field goal. And I think, for me, that, that was definitely the turning point in the game and that, that, that proved to be vital towards the end. And the Buffalo Bills wind up. Losing it overtime after tying it late, so disappointment a couple of times over. Bills fans hopefully can take a little bit of optimism out of this in that they were in the playoffs, they were winning a playoff game, and they still have an awful lot of young guys like Josh Allen going forward. And then the second game of that day saw the New England Patriots at home at Foxborough, think about all of those wins going all the way back to when they started what everybody calls a dynasty, and they can't get it done against the Tennessee Titans, and the Patriots are out. Everybody's asking the question, Zach, so let's ask you, is this the end of the Patriots dynasty? Uh, I don't know. It's close. I mean, unless Tom Brady doesn't come back, but I'm still going to say no, because if he comes back and Bill Chick is still there, that, that tandem I still think can get the job done. It's just the pieces around them. You know what, Mike? We, we talked about this last time, too. Everyone's been talking about this team. You know, they, they're making them seem like they're 9-7 and seven going into the playoffs, but they're 12-4. and four. So a respectable record going into the postseason, it was just there was something missing with this offense. And I feel like I kind of not figured it out, but it just kind of was more of an eye-opener for me. Is 
especially in a lot of times when throughout the game against the Titans, when it was third down to manageable, they were really missing Gronkowski. They just didn't have anyone to throw to. It's like you have Edelman to throw to the entire game, and that's your only target. They're missing that, that safety net and a guy like Gronkowski who bailed out Tom Brady over the years past. You need a guy like that, and they weren't able to establish a run game. And, you know, my hat goes off to the Titans. I mean, geez, you know what was going to come at you. Uh, Derrick Henry, he won the rushing title there this year, over 1,500 yards. They, <laughs> they gave him the ball three or four times this game. And if you were to tell me, not knowing that, that Tannehill was going to go 16 passing attempts with 72 yards and one touchdown and a 9-T, I would have told you, yeah, right, especially with the way the Pats have been playing over the past 20 years. So my hats go off to them. Uh, yeah, uh, Derrick Henry, great game. Titans had a great game plan going into this one. And uh, time will tell to see if this will be the end of the era with the New England Patriots. We're talking with Zach Medeiros of the Toronto Argos. He has become our football insider on London Live. Okay, let's go to yesterday. The first game of the day went opposite that Canada-Russia game, so maybe not a lot of people saw it, but the Vikings and the Saints went to overtime. Should we be surprised, even shocked, that the Vikings beat the Saints? I don't think so. I, I, I think the the Vikings had a lot of depth on, on their roster, and they are able to compete. I, I still picked the Saints to win this one, but I, I picked a low-scoring tight game. Um, you know what? This game came down to two things, turnovers. You know, Vi- uh, Saints had two turnovers, one turnover. Uh, Vikings were able to turn into a touchdown. And, uh, and the, the, the missed field goal at the end of the first half proved vital. And um, you know what? Vikings, I think the biggest thing for them was getting Dalvin Cook back in the lineup. He missed the, the last two games of the year. But, uh, we, you know, we uh, saw the, um, the dominance that the, he, he shows on the field and the impact he has for the Vikings, you know, 94 yards and two touchdowns. And uh, without him, I don't think that they, they get the job done against the Saints. But sometimes that's what it comes down to, those, those small little, 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 little room for error. You know, Saints, they just can get it done. It's those, those two turnovers and that one fumble by Breeze at the end, they're so uncharacteristic of him, uh, just would be vital. And uh, we'll see how the Vikings do going forward. And then the final game of the day, the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles. Carson Wentz, the quarterback of the Eagles, has a chance to finally play in a playoff game. All set, and he has four attempts, and next thing you know, he's being crammed into the turf, and, and he's out. He's, he's go- he gets hurt again? Well, Mike, you know what? Even with him, uh, the Eagles, I think it, it was going to be a long shot for them to win this game. I mean, they had a laundry list of injuries with Sproles was out. Their uh, top two wideouts and Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar were also out. They're a bit banged up on the defense. But I thought their, their defense actually played well enough to win this game. And then on top of that, you had Carson Wentz go down. So, it was, you know, it was all downhill from there. But kudos to Josh McCown. He actually stepped into the admiral job. He gave him a chance to win. And ultimately, they had two or three cracks at it to get within a, at least a tie because at the end of the day, it was only a one-score game. So, I just think that one injury that went, I mean, anytime your uh, starting QB goes down, it's going to be tough, especially adding to the laundry list of injuries that, that they had going forward. So I thought it was just too little too late and just too much for them to overcome against this, you know, highly powered Seattle Seahawks team. Now we bring in the 49ers, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Packers for next week. Zach, we'll talk later on and set that up. Thanks so much for the insight today. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate having me. Football insider Zach Medeiros. So I woke up this morning, and eventually I checked some stuff on my phone, headed to work today, and I checked my at mentions on Twitter, and I've got to thank Rob Maddock for pointing me in this direction. He said, you've got to look at this. And it was a string of posts 
from Slava Malamud, and it was talking about something that had happened yesterday in Russia. Well, we're lucky enough to have Slava himself. He has one of the best Twitter descriptions anywhere out there. He is Twitter's official Russian sports writer and says, In Soviet Russia, sports stick to you. I love it. Slava, thanks so much for taking some time out for us. How are you? <laughs> great. Absolutely great. Okay. We've got to get to a story in which we've been celebrating in Canada, Canada's gold medal win of the World Juniors, not really knowing that there were some people in Russia also celebrating a gold medal win, uh, but they weren't celebrating Canada's gold medal win, were they? Nope. <laughs> they were celebrating Russia's gold medal win because, because Russia happened. <laughs> because because Russia happened. Ah, I love it. Okay, so they were celebrating what they thought was a gold medal win in yesterday's World Junior Final, correct? We're still talking about the same game. Yep. Okay, you've got That's to take us through right. this. How does something like well, this happen? Well, here's what happened. The, uh, the TV rights for the uh, World Juniors were uh, awarded to uh, Match TV, which is basically the... Russian version of TSN. That's their main cable uh, sports channel. And they they showed the entire tournament. And a lot of people tuned in uh, yesterday to watch the final on, on, on Match TV. However, the final was actually not on Match TV. It was on Channel One, which is Russia's number one federal state-owned uh, uh, TV channel. Uh, so a lot of people who normally watch Channel One, you know, got to see the final. Uh, the problem was that <laughs> Uh, Vladimir Putin, who calls the shots for all of Russian Russian TV, really wanted it to be on Channel One because it has a wider audience. And uh, the uh, director of Channel One is uh, his uh, close personal friend. So, you know, it's the way things are done in Russia, who cares about contracts, who cares about sp- sponsors, who cares about anything? They just went ahead and the night before they switched it to the other channel. So Match TV, not knowing how to plug this hole in their in their programming, they just went ahead and uh, decided to air the 2011 final in Buffalo, in which Russia won 5-3 to three versus Canada. Uh, and, you know, compounding the confusion was uh, both games were tied 3-3 in the third period. So people who were watching Match TV and they were also online kind of talking to other folks, you know, they, they were confused because they were also watching a game where the game was tied at 3. <laughs> and... Uh, in the, end, in, in the end, when those people who are watching Channel One, you know, Canada lost, so whatever, let's go just you know, go ahead and enjoy the rest of my day. Those people who were watching Match TV, they were like, yeah, we won. They all went on the Internet and started, you know, screaming and posting all these Instagram posts and Twitter posts about how we destroyed Canada once again. And, you know, they know the Russian power. <laughs> and among those people, there was lots of people who did. Among, among those people was... Uh, a uh, member of the state Duma, the state parliament in Russia, who happens to be the chairman of the committee on sports. <laughs> so, so he, he thought was, Russia won. Yeah, he was watching the 2011 final, and it never crossed his mind that, you know, Vladimir Tarasenko and uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov and Artemi Panarin probably shouldn't be playing in the junior <laughs> tournament <laughs> at this point in their lives. No, who cares? I mean, the uniforms are different. It was in a different country. No, nobody cares. <laughs> and a lot of people got fooled like this. And they and actually I, I went think, public with this? So so they, they basically said, hey, congratulations. They were taking to things like Twitter to announce Russia yeah. had won? Yeah, the lawmaker was uh, actually posting Facebook. <laughs> and uh, there was a Russian soccer star who is known for his, 
you know, patriotism and love of Putin. He he posted on Instagram, and then he had to delete the post, and then he blamed his kids <laughs> for the mix-up. So it, it's hilarious. We're talking with Slava Malamud, and we are talking about Canada's win in yesterday's gold medal game that certain people in Russia felt was actually Russia's win in the gold medal game because they were watching a gold medal game from 2011, the last time Russia won gold at the World Junior Hockey Championship. Slava is Twitter's official Russian sports writer. You mentioned Russia happened. When when people live in Russia, do they look at things like this or things similar to this and sometimes just shrug their shoulders at, well, you know, that's just Russia? Well, yeah, and I've, I've talked to uh, a couple of my buddies who work in TV, and one of them actually works in one of the channels, and uh, the sentiment is, you know, can you imagine the same thing happening with ESPN, like ESPN or TSN buying the rights to a tournament, and then the final game, the one with the most rating, gets taken away from them at the last moment because of the political expediencies. <laughs> it's just, it's unimaginable, but this is the type of country we live in. And to me, what's even more telling is the fact that so many people were watching this game in a supposedly hockey-mad nation and did not realize that, hey, wait a second, Vladimir Tarasenko, really? I mean, <laughs> Evgeny Kuznetsov, isn't he supposed to be with the Capitals right now? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people just, you know, the problem is Russia is not really a hockey-mad nation the way Canada is. Because in Canada, you know, everybody and their uncle knows who is on the team. <laughs> if, if, if they're going to watch see a junior, junior team with Sidney Crosby on it, they'll know it's about 12 years old. Right, but in Russia it's not that way because there's there's pockets of the country where hockey is very popular, and the rest of the nation only cares about the team winning medals. Right, they don't really care. They don't know who. Yeah, I don't care who is on the team. They don't know. They don't really follow the sport, and that's unfortunately the case with most sports in Russia, except for soccer, which is like a national obsession. Everything else, people just follow once every so many years just to see how many medals we won and whether we showed the West that the West is wrong about something. So that attitude still does exist in Russia? Let's show the West? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A big, oh, nowadays, of course, because now, nowadays Russia is back into its confrontational posture against the West. And, uh, and Putin especially is using sports as a propaganda tool, as, as a cudgel. And now with Russia getting into doping problems, he, you know, he can use that as another propaganda narrative that, you know, the West is against us. They're trying to defeat us by dishonest means and that, that kind of stuff. Wow. Well, Slava, thank you so much for telling the story as you have. Check out Slava's website, slavadoesamerica.com, and please keep up the great work. <laughs> thank you. I will. Take care. That is Slava Malamud, Twitter's official Russian sports writer. I love how he just comes right out with it and says, yeah, things were going along fine, and Match TV was all set to broadcast the gold medal game. They'd been broadcasting the entire tournament. People had been watching and and liking it. And then Russia happened. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.